what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, artists, entrepreneurs, hustlers, CEOs, innovators, people in around the world, just like all of you that think way, way, way outside the box. You guys know how it goes. You're probably trying new things, doing things different than the way society taught you. And you're in luck because I bring on guests every single week that would not only agree with you, but they are in the middle of whether it's their first or their 50th venture. They are very, very outside of the box thinkers doing things um, their own way and you know, learning a lot along the way. You guys know I don't glamorize or glorify in success. The journey is not overnight. Um, I purposely say that on every single episode because it is the truth. And I think it's more important to focus on what's happening in real time. What are, you know, and being present in that journey and what are we learning and how does that translate to, you know, both our better selves and of course to the business that we're building, the people that rely on us and everything in between. Plus, isn't it humanizing and nice to know that everybody that comes on the, the show has probably gone through or going through something that you've experienced at some point along the way with what you're you know, creatively building as well. So I appreciate each and every one of you guys. For those of you that have been around for a while, thank you so much. And for those of you that are newer, thank you for tuning in. I'm Matt Gottesman. Uh, you can uh, follow me at Matt Gottesman on Instagram for all ventures, but you can get in the conversation at the intersection of culture and creativity and entrepreneurship over at HDF Magazine. And of course, you guys can follow at Hustle Sold separately as well. Uh, listen, I appreciate you guys. You've been leaving a lot of ratings and reviews. It means the world to me. So thank you for doing that. Uh, we're a global community and every guest that comes on becomes a part of our community as is their community. So, you know, feel free to reach out. And I've got another incredible guest on, uh, and I'm, I'm fortunate to have him in the uh, studio here because he's a very busy individual. Rick Bronson, entrepreneur, founder of Rick Bronson House of Comedy. Give you just a quick background, but we're going to just dive like right into it. But, um, you know, live from uh, New Westminster, uh, British Columbia, uh, Rick Bronson's House of Comedy showcases the absolute best in live stand up comedy. Uh, their comedians have uh, appeared hundreds of times on national, international television and are widely regarded as groundbreaking and talented artists. Uh, just to give you guys an idea, their comedians have been featured on Fallon, Colbert, Kimmel. Conan, The Daily Show, Comedy Central, America's Got Talent, Last Comic Standing, HBO, and more. And some of their recent stand-up live comedy acts uh, include performance uh, from comedians such as Norm MacDonald, Tom Green, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Preacher Lawson, and more. Uh, this is not his first rodeo. And, of course, <laughs> he's also got a great uh, uh, location here in Scottsdale, Arizona as well, too. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that it pulled up the uh, – that's the New Westminster is actually a suburb of uh, Vancouver, British right. Columbia. So that's one of our locations up in Canada and Vancouver, which is a beautiful city if you've never been. Highly recommended. I mean, it's the Pacific Northwest in all of its glory. I haven't been. I heard it's, I heard it's amazing. Beautiful, I, I'm, beautiful I'm, city. It's high on my list. Um, beautiful. Highly recommended. First of all, thank you for being in here. My man. pleasure, man. You it's know. great to be – I love the – that was 
a great intro. First of all, the uh, cross section of culture and creativity is that and entrepreneurship. Uh, yep. A wonderful use of alliteration, and uh, I feel a lot of pressure now to really put up <laughs> or shut up on this show. Well, you've been around it for a very long time, I, and, and you know the first question is always the same. I always, uh, and then from there we can we can rant. Fire. And rant. The first question is, you know, the context of how we got here to today. Like, you can go as far back as you want, but like that that initial journey of the things that you've done along the way and the experiences that you gathered. You know, some people go way, way, way back, you know, their childhood, some started college, whatever, but you can start wherever you want. But, you know, what what was happening that led up to House of Comedy? What did you do before? And then and what was the progression like since then? Uh, I think uh, growing up very middle, I grew up in a very middle class Jewish family. And I uh, and, and just saying because yeah. of the area that we grew up in. Yeah. And I grew up amongst a lot of very wealthy families and I wasn't like that. Uh, and I felt very motivated from a young age yeah. to kind of, uh, you know, push for myself if I, you know I wanted to have a little bit extra I have a few extra bucks so from a young young age I was always very self-motivated I mean I did the newspaper uh, deliveries at 12 years old and at uh, I started doing magic shows at 12 years old so I started as an entertainer as a kid uh, became a stand-up comedian at the age of 15 and started in television production at the age of 21. Uh, but it really, it's hard, you know, you put out that question and it's so hard to pinpoint one spot because I consider this evolution a snowball effect and it's really tough to pick one defining moment along that journey to say, you know, that was the ultimate catalyst or that was the defining moment that took me in this direction. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I never thought I'd be an, a, a restaurant bar owner, club owner. I mean, I was always an entertainer. I happened to get very ill. I have a severe Crohn's disease, got very sick, took me off the road, and I was essentially hospitalized for two months. So I guess if I had to pinpoint something that was really defining, it was probably being ill for that long of a period and recognizing, you know, when you're self-employed and you're the guy that's bringing in the bucks and you get sick for two months, your, rev your funds from your bank account disappear oh, yeah. real damn quickly, my friend. And this was, I was a young young father at the time with a young child and newly married. And uh, at that point, just kind of reevaluated that I need to figure out a way to make money where I don't have to be the only guy where it's, I have to show up and do the physical labor to make said revenue. So I guess if I had to pick something that really was a, a key moment historically, that might be it. But really, like I said, it's a, it's an amalgamation of all these little things that happened along the journey that I think truly steer you and define you as to, uh, you know, where you end up. And to be honest with you, as you and I talked briefly about before going on here, I don't know where I'm going to end up. I still don't know if I'm, at, you know, at the top of the mountain or getting close to the top of the mountain, if I'm halfway up or if I'm going to get to the top and go, you know what, I, let's start all let's over. Find let's another do mountain. something different because – Part of my journey was, uh, I think, be, I'm one of those guys that I can juggle 10 things at once, but if you give me one task, I am bored as hell and I don't do very well <laughs> same, with it. Same. So give me a lot of things to do and I thrive. Give me 10 balls to juggle, I'm fantastic. Give me two, they're both going down. Right. Well, you know, you brought up a very, uh, a couple of very uh, important points. Number one, and we mentioned this on another podcast, there really isn't an arrival because there's, you're always moving like if they were a rival you're you're dead <laughs> there's, always, no, there's I... always something new to be done and to be had you know uh and then you know the other thing too is that you're saying that you know you don't always see them when they're happening but there's a lot of the an amalgamation of all these things coming together over time that you, looking back you can piece them together but on the way sometimes you know, people don't understand that it, it's you're 
pulling pieces from different things and experiences and putting them together into what we're calling a life, basically, or in many cases, a business or businesses. Were you able to recognize, you know, when certain things came into your world and you're like, there's something bigger here and I need to move on that or I need to work that into, you know, more? You know, what's interesting for me is, you know, even though when I was young, money motivated me, you know, to get course, those few extra everybody bucks when they're with young. everyone. Yeah. Uh, I definitely shifted gears um, within my career in the respects of recognizing that I worked in a very creative environment. Yeah. And my true passion is at the end of the day, I love being creative. And that's what being a businessman is to me. Yes. It's starting with Thank a blank you. page, coming up with an idea. And my real joy, my, where I really get off is creating that idea and then watching it and making it yes. come to fruition. Yes. I love the creative aspect. I think I'm married to a lovely lady who loves the business side. She loves the, she likes looking at the numbers, likes the financial aspect. That's never been my barometer. Uh, what a power team though. That's good to have. It's, Some, a, it's so a great power team without question. Yeah. No question because she deals with the BS that I have no <laughs> desire to want to deal with. Uh, but really, I, I find that what has always motivated me and what has pushed me to my next business and that yeah. endeavor has not been the financial uh, motive. It has always been the creative motive. It always has been the desire for creative expression. I agree. You know, I think a lot of people sometimes, well, the ones that um, either are not entrepreneurial, maybe not, uh, or they are, but they're not in that creative mindset yet, just yet, don't realize, like, how can that be? Isn't the point of a business to be profitable? And it's like, yes, but you understand, like, creating something from nothing, there is something so... Um, it's pure. It's, it, yeah, it, it, exactly. It's euphoric. It's it really so, is. It really is. Uh, without question. You know, I mean, to... You know, I took a uh, screenwriting course a million years ago by a, a famous screenwriter in, uh, in Hollywood by the name of Robert McKee. He wrote a book called, simply called Story. And I took a three-day screenwriting seminar with him. And he said something to me that really struck a chord where he said that, you know, the writer is really the only true artist on a, in, in a movie or a production or uh, in, in any type of uh, film that, uh, you know, he was referencing. And, and uh, you know, people questioned him, like, what do you mean? Well, he said, well, the, art, uh, the screenwriter is really the only true person that starts with that blank page and has to create something. Everyone else that works on the project, whether it's the director or whether the it's the actors, the they're actor. interpretive artists yes. because they're essentially taking what the writer wrote and then interpreting it. And I've always looked at creating business in the exact same way. Yes. I am the writer, I'm writing the story, and then I surround myself with a really good team that I'm able to execute said story with. And uh, and again, the, that creative process, I have a tendency to agree with Robert McKee. There's something about that person that I think is has the guts to start with that blank page, put their ideas down and say, yeah, now I'm gonna back this idea and make it happen. Easily the the... The, the toughest concept I think for most people to understand is it, it's the writer, it's the creative that actually, you know, comes up with the very thing that the rest of the world is going to eventually consume. Hopefully, at least that's the hope. That's there, the hope, exactly. Know. And I mean, and, and I truly believe, you know, going back to, you know, if, you, if, if we must tie everything to my wife's finances, uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I truly, you know, as, as cheesy as this may sound, when you love what you do yeah. and it doesn't feel like work, um, I believe that the money will follow. I, I really do. I think if you have a passion for what you do and you work hard at what you do and you execute to the fullest of your ability, the money will follow. I think why people have gotten, and I, because I agree with you and I, I've, I've had to tell people 
that the you know yeah you hear that same saying but what they're really saying is because when you are in tune and in alignment with like what actually makes sense for what you're doing it's not going to feel like the same kind of work if like you want to work on cars and now you're working at the bank and you're bored as all hell and you know yeah. and you know yeah that that's going to seem like not only hard work but grueling excruciating pain work but when you're in alignment doing like you want to work on cars you're in a fancy garage doing some cool stuff around mentors and advisors that are teaching you all kinds of new things and you're learning new tools and you're getting ahead of the trends and you're having fun and experimenting and you're creating well, what do you think is going to happen you're probably working more hours than you ever did before at the bank without question but yeah. but you're invigorated and you're on a different kind of high that's pulling you forward not pushing you down uh, first of all, I couldn't agree with you more on the job description because <laughs> it always used to make me, uh, I would always think about this, you know, when I was uh, strictly just an entertainer prior to being an entrepreneur, which really is actually an unfair statement because when you're an entertainer, you are your own entrepreneur, you have to manage your, you're your own PR, you're right. your own publicist, you, yeah. I mean, you are your own agent, your own manager if you don't have representation. Uh, but I firmly, it, it always used to make me laugh how people would approach me and say, like, oh, you're a comedian. I can't believe, I don't know how you can do that. That's crazy that you can get up in front of a room full of strangers and tell jokes. And, I'm, and I guess I can understand that because so many people have a fear of public speaking, apparently still the number one fear. Wow, still. Uh, but at the end of the day, like you were saying, I've never been able to understand the mentality of the culture of someone getting into their yes. vehicle every morning, driving <laughs> to the same place yes. in the same traffic every day to sit in the same cubicle and to drive home. Those people blow me away. Like I'm amazed that people are wired that way because right. I am so not wired that way. It. And yet I also recognize that 80% of the world is kind of wired that way. You know, most people are employees or not employers. Sure. Um, but I am just one of those guys that I think I knew from a young age I would not play well in the sandbox with others. I needed to be able to make the decisions on my own. Uh, going up, a, the idea of going up a corporate ladder to pass my idea onto someone or get something approved. I mean, it, I, it doesn't compute. Like no. I have to be honest, it just doesn't compute. Yet I recognize that the majority of the world works in such a fashion. Yeah, well, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm okay with people that want to contribute to a business uh, or a visionary leader great you know and we have those newer kind of environments that hopefully create that kind of like really culture and team and whatnot but then there's everybody else and you're very liberal with that 80 percent number by the way because like you, you see so many people that i can't compute why like especially the politics and the triggers and the emotions and the this and then that and all inside it like you know um and i just i never i tried to play uh, well, even as a, an independent consultant with with big brands, it was always interesting to me because I was very collaborative and creative and like, right. oh, no, we just do this and we just move right through it and we make it happen. And like, well, first we're going to talk to someone, so he's going to talk to someone, so he's going to talk to someone. Yep. By the way, you're also making me look bad, so I'm going to think I'm going to pull back and you're not going to allow that to happen at all. I'm not going to allow that to happen at all. And therefore, nobody is going to experience anything good happening here. And it's just, it was just, it was funny to me to watch that culture from a third party, but be around it so closely. And I'm like, I don't belong here. But I, I was raised the same way, you know what I mean? And I came from a very entrepreneurial, yeah, what was that? Are you, did you come from a moderate background? Were you, did you come, because like I said, I grew up around wealthy kids, but I, my parents were very, my mother was a teacher. My father was a manager of a shopping center. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I got to play both sides. Uh, my parents, uh, my father was self-made. He was an attorney, self-made and had a couple of businesses, but also lost it all. Oh, really? Um, not, not all, but like um, and nothing from, and he actually, this is the best part is, 
not that he had to go through that. He did. He made all the right choices because he kept his integrity intact, and it was just because he was moving away from a couple of people that it didn't make sense anymore, and they did some things, and he's just like, you know what? I'm going to clean up the mess, but also go away. So I saw. So he had to restart. So he had to restart from doing the right thing. So I was fortunate to watch that level of work ethic and integrity. And then I saw him do it again. What age did that happen? Nine. I'm sorry to turn the interview around no, here, but no, no, how no. old were you when that happened? I was about eight to ten. And you happened. recall and you recall that vividly, huh? That oh, your father very much had so. to really just uh, buckle down and get his kick his boots back in and yeah. start interesting. Because at about ten eleven, he moved us from Jersey to Arizona. Oh, you're from back east. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. You're so, from my land of Springsteen, my yes, my sir. favorite man. So my, my father actually had his office in Asbury Park, where Springsteen. Come on, from. yeah, yeah. Jeez. Oh, so, so yeah. So you know, it's it's that like I was fortunate. When I say fortunate, I mean I give that man a lot of credit. God rest his soul. But I mean, I, I give him a lot of credit because it was building the right way. But then maybe not having you know maybe some good partners or a few things that like they did the you know the wrong thing, and then being like, nope, I'm going to preserve to do the right thing. I'll eat the cost. Integrity, integrity, integrity. Shit, now I got to rebuild. But more than that, so it was a valuable, it really was a valuable very teaching valuable. point in your life. You yeah. really learned, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I figured, I, I, I inherited a few other triggers though from saying that, <laughs> you know, so that's okay until I worked through those, you know. But uh, but no, so, I, but I get it. I think that um, coming from that kind of level of, of seeing, of outside the box thinking and be like, hey, no two people are alike. I can't tell you what to do, son. You're going to have to figure out your life. Like, go yeah make a million lose a million i don't know what to tell you like you're gonna figure it out because if i tell you what to do I, like who am i none of my path has been you know typical yeah. <laughs> so and everyone's journey is unique and yeah. and i think it's meant to be uh done alone i mean you're you do your journey with people in your life you surround yourself with people but at the end of the day you uh, not to not to quote robert mckee again but you, no i love it you write your own story you do how did how did uh house of comedy start and then how were you able to you know maneuver yeah, the, the expansion of it so uh, you know like anything else in life and anything else specifically in show business timing 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 right um and again going back to uh, talking about earlier getting ill uh and spending that time in the hospital i recognized that i needed to make a career change or some kind of shift where it allowed me to at least have a, a moderate chance of making some revenue uh, uh without being the guy doing it myself and um uh i Right after I was very ill, we ended up opening our first club in Canada in uh, what is uh, in Canada, the largest retail and entertainment center in the world called West Edmonton Mall. Uh, and the family that owns West Edmonton Mall is also the same family that owns Mall of America. And going back to your neck of the woods in New Jersey now, the new American dream that has been the uh, eyesore known as Xanadu for a million years and now has finally been reopened under, under their new guidance. Uh, so really, again, going back to what we talked about, it was a snowball effect. We opened our first club in in Canada. We were very successful. I think the uh, landlords of the center, the mall owners, recognized that these celebrity comedians that we were bringing in were huge draws. So we weren't the anchor department stores of the days of old, like a Macy's or a Nordstrom, but our celebrities were certainly pulling a lot of people into their centers, which obviously benefits them. When people walk through the doors, they're spending money. It's not just what they spend at my location, it's what they spend at the other locations so from a landlord's point of view i guess i can see why it was kind of exciting to have a comedy club with this celebrity attractions uh so that snowballed into them saying hey we want to do the same thing at our mall in minnesota okay next thing you know we're at (laughs) mall of america in minnesota wow and from there they recognize uh, we believe it or not um i moved 
I bought a home in Scottsdale uh, as completely the dreaded snowbird. I right. was, that's all it's it a was, lot of people the here. damn dreaded Canadian right. snowbird or a Midwestern snowbird, wherever it is you're coming from. But uh, I came here strictly. I, I'm a golfer. This is a great place to have that a is. little winter property. Uh, we're doing, you know, we, the wife and I said, yeah, we're doing well enough. I think we should get ourselves a little place down here. And um, that turned into recognizing that the North Valley, Phoenix and Scottsdale was just booming and growing. And we know how this city is uh, is designed. You know, it's pockets of entertainment throughout, whether it's the old town, downtown or yep. heading north. Uh, but north was really underdeveloped for entertainment at that point. And, you know, we. Not that I wanted to do business here. This was supposed to be where I got off the plane right. and relaxed, kicked up my heels, grabbed my sticks, went to the golf course. But we saw opportunity. Spoken as a true entrepreneur. And that's just <laughs> it. Yeah. And now I've absolutely destroyed my vacation property because now it's no every time I come here, it's work, 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 right. work. So now I've got to try to convince my wife that we have to pick up another vacation property somewhere else where we don't own a business. Yes, which um, you could then start another one there as well. Which is likely <laughs> what would just happen. So it's not going to happen. Go international, international. Like start doing like, you know, the islands and start doing... <laughs> well, if I were smart, Maui would be a great yeah. place for a comedy right. club. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, again, just a series of snowball effects. So we yeah. recognize Arizona was under, uh, you know, could was under service for comedy and then opened the comedy club and got to really fall in love with the development that we were in and saw an opportunity. And this was just out of a desire for me to go back to another time in another place. I've always been, I think if I can uh, really pick one movie that uh, from my generation as a kid growing up that stuck with me, believe it or not, was Back to the Future. Oh, that's one of my favorite movies. And I am a period piece time kind of guy. And somehow I just, over time, the same way I've created TV shows in my lifetime, the same way I've written scripts, the same way I've written movies, I came up with a concept for a coffee shop that was kind of built on pop culture. I wanted people to walk in and see something from their childhood that, that just 80s made- 80s cafe. 60s, 70s, <laughs> yeah. 80s, no matter what no, decade you came yeah. from, but just something, I mean, put it this way, I built a, I built a coffee shop that has a slinky on every table. Wow. All right, so- I wonder if our, half our listeners know, half our listeners what like, a what slinky the hell is, is a slinky? Google it. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I talk to kids on stage every day that I have to explain to them. In my day, I had to turn the phone with my finger. <laughs> Yeah, my father had to wind the damn thing. You know, you kids have it so easy with your beep. Done. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we just again an idea that inspired me. I wanted to do a period piece. We ended up opening up this coffee shop with in the back a hidden speakeasy. Oh, nice! And uh, actually, even today, it's kind of crazy. Someone came in and uh, just did a TikTok video, and. Uh, our place has been like lined up the last few nights because there's already a quarter of a million views. Yes. TikTok. Which, I mean, that's your world. You get, that. I yes. know you got 4 million downloads, but to get a quarter million views in 24 hours and just watch the parade oh, of people yeah. coming, coming, coming into your venue, I mean, that's pretty amazing. So, again, another business that I started really just on the creative desire. It wasn't mm. like, oh, I'm going to get rich selling macchiatos. Right. Oh, lattes are going to make... We're buying an island, honey. Right. We got right. lattes. <laughs> uh, no, it was really just a creative development. Right. And that's what uh, inspired me. So, yeah, I, I don't know where it's going to stop. Now we're developing businesses in Texas and in Michigan. Mm. So, um, 
I like that I'm still yeah. on the climb up because to be honest with you, as I age, I have this goddamn problem of waking up so early every morning. Yes. Uh, I, so it's it's ironic. As you get older and you figure, hey, now I can kick back. I got time. I can relax. I'm going to enjoy life. Now I'm up so many hours, I want something to do. So I'm always looking for things. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't see an end at this point. At, at first I thought I could retire. I could be a golfer and just... I don't think I could do it. I need to be busy. I need to be making sure that I'm still spinning creative ideas. You, you know what? I, ultimately, here's what I love, Matt, is that I'm still that guy like I was when I was doing comedy at 15 and 16 years old, where at 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning, where if I come up with an idea for anything, whether it's a joke, a TV show idea, a restaurant idea, bar idea, I hop out of bed and I start jotting it down. I think retirement is an old school concept that used to come from when you are trained a specific way and you take a specific role and you do a specific life. And well, but that was back in the day when pensions all existed exactly. and there was, you, and you know, and I'm you, sorry, that shit's gone. <laughs> that's just, that. and now, and, and so it's interesting. I love when, I love when um, some people try to force that way down now, like, you know, the newer generations and it cracks me up. Cause I'm like, Listen, they're watching you unhealthy with a lot of crises on your hands from a lot of different abuse you guys have done and from a lot of different systems that are broken. So I don't think that they really want to follow that methodology anymore. But also retirement, I feel in general, um, what you're talking about with you is also momentum because as you're getting older and new things are being created and coming to fruition and expanding and your creativity is expanding, it's just really staying in momentum because of, of life. Well, and there's, you know, you're 100% right. And you know what I think is one of the biggest kickers of that mom said momentum is something, and I'll talk about this in a little bit of detail because it's something that drives me nuts, but is networking. Yes. As I age, I've met more people in my yes. life. The more people I meet, the more connections you have, the more connections you have, the more common interests and doors open up, things get facilitated. Yes. The longer you have businesses in place that are successful, and you, you know, when you show that you've been leasing a space in one of the most expensive centers in all of North America for 20 years, now other landlords recognize you as a viable business. So the longer you're in business, the more opportunities yes. get created, and especially on the networking side. But the reason I mention networking is, you know, I know that uh, you know your listeners on this show and i've always found this interesting and i'll throw this at you you can learn anything in college you can learn advertising you can learn marketing you can learn policy you can learn how to be a doctor you can learn how to be a lawyer why the hell are we not teaching our young generation how to network and i think probably the most valuable business skill i have ever developed I think part of the success is I'm an approachable person and I could like to, I genuinely like talking to people. I like people. And that ability to network and communicate and just start a conversation and open a new door has been one of the reasons I have had the opportunities that I have had throughout my business career. I completely agree. I think that uh, programs in universities should teach EQ, emotional intelligence. I think and, and understanding who they are, understanding how to communicate, understanding how to have relationships with other people. Everything is in the relationships. But in those relationships, it's also about you showing up every day and, you know, you doing the work that is your world of what it is that you're creating and bringing value to others. And, you know, as you grow yeah. in your own space of your own you know world. The ability to connect with others is going to be highly invaluable. I, I think the most key. I really you know? do. I, you know? I, I think it uh, I. 
I really pride myself now in the fact that I have a very extensive network. And oh, yeah. if I might not be able to pull something off or get something accomplished, I promise you this much, Matt. I know someone who does. Well, that, that's... And I will call in that favor because chances are oh, yeah. they've already called one in from me. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, that happens even with the podcast. It's it's so interesting, you know, and because, you know, you get into these conversations of things and, and you talk to some of these CEOs and they'll say, oh, you know, we struggle in that area. I'm like, oh, you know, you need a development team for that. I'm like, I know exactly like who you should go through for your your tech. Give this person a call. They might take care of you, you know, et cetera. One stop shop. Yeah, done. Right. And they'll be like, you know, thank you. We've been looking for a good team. I'm like, yeah, no problem. You know, whatever. But the relationships that happen from that and, and then, you know, and we've talked about this, like, and then you end up realizing like, oh, wow, you got this going on and that going on. Hey, you should talk to so-and-so. Exactly. And like, oh, you know, I appreciate that. You don't mind? Like, no, 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 please. You know, just just say Matt, send them and, you know, you, you guys go from there and maybe something will come of it and he can take care of that manufacturing distribution for you. And then potentially there's <laughs> the trickle-down effect. So now yes, that you've is. connected these two people. Yes, there is. Like in any other industry, right. there should be a little bit of a reward saying, Matt, thanks for the, you know, put it this way. Uh, my newest club, the one that's in Vancouver in British Columbia in Canada, uh, the deal was brokered. It was brought to me by a friend of mine who brought the uh, deal to me. And uh, and he was given points in the business for his, you know, for, for essentially brokering the deal. And uh, that's the type of stuff that should, that's what networking does for you. I mean, when you introduce people to the right players, I mean, at the end of the day, um, there might be some good financial compensation for you. Well, and, and, you know, and the cool thing, too, if you look at your journey, so you've had um, contacts and networks from the entertainment world, contacts and, uh, you know, uh, networks from the business world and from the comedy world and from the cities, the different cities and the different organizations and the different businesses and, the, and like in the coffee industry, you get all these different. All these different networks. It's very true. I've got, it's funny, I've got, and even friendships work that way, too. Right, of course. I've got my golf friends. I've right. got my comedy friends. I've got my friends that I've met in the production, TV, and film world. Uh, and even though there's a little bit of crossover, it's funny. There are these little pockets of friends. But again, for the purposes of networking, when you have these little networking groups, I mean, that is really what I think is going to pay off down the line tenfold, the, the dividends. When you have a group of people that are willing to get behind you yes. and support you, uh, and you're willing to do the same for them, and you've known them for an extensive amount of time. At the end of the day, I always say this. People would rather do business with someone who is a friend than someone who is just a faceless corporate entity. I really do believe right. that. Somebody they uh, can trust and are reliable yeah. and have proven that they show up. And I know some people are skeptical with that statement because they're also leery of sometimes doing business with friends. I'm not saying you're doing business with your best friend that you grew up with, your childhood buddy, but I'm saying someone who's genuinely calling you and just, you know, you're right. you know that's someone who you'd actually sit down and have a drink with or go for a meal with, you know. Uh, that's who I want to do business with. They've watched part of the journey. They're on their own journey. They're honest. They're integrity. Like, you know, you're, you're sharing similar values and, and things along the way. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when I spent some time in Europe, uh, and I learned a lot about Europe. Like living there or just yeah. like traveling? Both. Where, uh, did, where did you live in Europe? I, I lived in Spain for a little while, in Sevilla, Spain. Really? And then I, I lived in uh, Prague for about three months. And what brought uh, you, I mean, I know you're digital, but were, was that all... Uh, um, was that all tech related? Or? No, the first time, um, the first time when I went to Spain, uh, that was because I was in school and I wanted to go study abroad and learn business environments of of Spain and Western Europe. Okay. Um, I spent some time in Macedonia uh, uh, for a little while, um, a little bit, a few years later, and then uh, when I was in Prague, it was to, um, it was part of, um, I was getting a master's degree in international business, and I was wanting to focus on North and Central Europe. 
and understanding, um, you know, behaviors to uh, to the work environments and cultures and all these different things. And what was interesting to constantly see uh, in these different areas was that they're all about long-term relationships. Europe is very much like, before we do business, sit down and tell me about your family. I want to have a beer. Let's have a two-hour dinner first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that might actually be like four or five times before we do anything. Because they're trying to assess who, what your character is. Like, can we do business for a long time? Because, you know, America is very much about quarters, quarters, quarters. You know, yeah. what's in it for me? You know, and I've, I've, I've never felt that way. I wasn't even raised that way. So it's very funny to me of being like, you know, Ameri- uh, you know, American, I'm proud of my country, but like I've always believed in a, a long-term relationship type of way of doing things, you know, uh, with people. And even if, even if it's only for a given period of time, that's fine. But at least there's a level of respect of like knowing and understanding the person you're doing something with, you know? Well, what's amazing is, you know, if you stay in your same career or around that same uh, environment for, the, uh, for a great length of time, as you know, I mean, it's not just you. I, I go back now to guys um, that we still work with in the entertainment industry who uh, I started with in the entertainment industry in a different capacity probably 30-plus years ago. Uh, But there's several guys who recognize that that was their passion and they've stayed in that industry. And there's something really quite uh, beautiful about the unison of, uh, of coming up with someone at the same time and being able to have that lifelong ability to network, you know, Absolutely. a third. And, and I have people like that who I've literally been networking with for 30 years. And then I've had people that I've just met three years ago who've become key networkers in, uh, in my business and in my life. So, um, again, going back to what you said earlier, uh, when you, as long as you don't think the journey's over, right. You know, you know, I also really appreciate when you said earlier about, um, Yes, as a as an entertainer, it is entrepreneurial. You're managing your art for sure and running it like a business. Yep. But that's why they still say it's show business, not ninety percent right? business, ten percent right. show. You know, and it's uh, that's pretty good actually. But I I like that you did make that transition of. I need to have several things to rely on, I and and yep. move because you're you, I do believe you're seeing a lot more athletes and uh you know um artists and um you know television stars or movie stars you know people kind of saying like, you know I can't rely only on just getting those gigs because time changes life changes all this other stuff, I've got to think outside the box, start branching out and start you know using and I love this time that we live in now where it's like. Because I, I, I preach this all the time, and I tell, try to tell this to companies, like, the playing field has changed. It's even now. Anybody can own their own distribution. You got all that celebrity and stardom. Use it for yourself. Like, you own it, you know, or at least hopefully you <laughs> you plan for it and you own it, you yeah. own it now. You know, because cause now more than ever, you can move into that entrepreneurial space. Uh, obviously, it doesn't mean that you're still, uh, still baby in that because you have to figure out how to do the things the right way. It's different than acting or comedy or something else, and you're having to find other people. Oh, without question. I mean, do, but I, it's, I, I think it's key that you did that. I, I, but I mean, like you said, though, I mean, it's an absolute learning curve. When I, I thought when I opened my first comedy club, because I grew up in a comedy club as a comedian, how hard can this be? I've been around comedy my whole life. Right. Then I opened a restaurant and bar, and then people started asking me, what is my food cost on this, and what is my liquor cost? Right. I'm like, what the hell are you talking? <laughs> what do you mean? What is the co- I bought the bottle of booze, and now I'm selling drinks. What do you mean? <laughs> um, but I, right. I had to educate myself on a completely new industry, and 
you know, the, uh, and learning that industry, the hospitality industry, the restaurant and bar business, it's a different math than any other type of business in the world. And it's so unique that if you really don't learn it from the inside out, you are going to, I mean, as I tell my managers often, if you don't understand your numbers in this game, you are sailing your ship blindly. Yeah. It's that simple. You really have, at the end of the day, to, to really run a business well, you have to understand your dollars and cents. And, you know, at the, the end of the day, I always instruct them, it is your job to make sure there are a lot more dollars coming in than there are going out. Absolutely. I, you know, at least we live in a time, too, now where um, there's so much tech and uh, systemization and um it's changed our it's changed my industry it's changed yours yeah absolutely i mean we can use like this for accounting and and bookkeeping software we can use this you know within our other accounts that kind of keep track of where everything's coming in and going out you know it's like everything's automated if you if you know you keep it up on your computer and you track it but yeah but the problem is as we continue to automate and I now add this new software to take over this portion of the business or this software to watch it. With this. Now it is on this 51 year old old fart to now teach himself and learn to now operate, you know, six, seven new different software, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't mind. Again, that keeps the brain going and I kind of dig that and I'm a bit of a tech geek and I like the technology right. side of things. Uh, but you know, I'm sure you've probably had this conversation before, just talking about the tech technology in the workforce altogether. And I think people thought and assumed years ago, as these great, beautiful machines called computers came into the business place, we all said, great, what used to take us eight hours will now get done in two hours. Now we'll we're doing all this. everything. Now we're just doing <laughs> way more stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's we didn't true. save time. We've just added more work to our productivity levels. So true. You know, and, and I also, and I believe that in that automation, um, still personalizing and understanding like being close that we can't fully rely like we, we we can put things in place but we should be close enough to it that we can watch what's happening and see what we need to make an adjustments it's meant to add efficiency to our lives not you know more but you're right majority of 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 are the just world doing more as are just doing more now yeah. because we're like and and i had to actually teach myself like wait a minute now that i've brought i bought back time doesn't mean I should automatically fill it in with a, something all new just yet. Let yeah. me understand. I had to have. I started to have better relationships with money and better relationships with time, so I can understand and energy. Those three things help me understand a little bit better about you know what I'm doing, why I'm doing, it, and how I'm doing it, so I can actually you know integrate and create a life, not feel like I'm I'm pushing myself to a point of exhaustion, which I had done previously. <laughs> so that's but probably. I, I think it's an yeah. it's an easy trap for anyone very to fall easy. into. It's, it's very so, easy. I mean, like like I said earlier, you know, just knowing that I thrive, I do better when I stay busy. I, yeah. I'm not a good idle hands guy. I mean, uh, my yeah. wife will point that out right away. Uh, give me something to do. Right. Too much time is never good for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that's just a trap that Absolutely. is going to only become more and more difficult mm-hmm. as technology and time progresses. I will promise you this much, and I've said it, and I will say, I've said this continuously, constantly, and I will say it till the day I die. Uh, the Internet will be known to me uh, as both the greatest and worst invention of my lifetime. Mm. I, you know, uh, David Bowie, did you ever see that clip of him talking about the, uh, the internet back in 1999? No, I don't think yeah. I have. I'll, and I was a huge Bowie fan uh, too. Right. I'll send, I'll send you the clip. Um, I've got part of it, but I'll send you the bigger clip after the show. Yeah. I'd um, like to see that. What he, did he say? Well, and he talked about like, uh, this, you know, I love he first, he's putting us like this alien life form and the beauty and the creativity. He's like, I don't think, uh, 
uh, we've seen what's going to come of the internet. And, and the interviewer is like, it, but it's just a tool, you know? And he goes, no, no, man. It's like, it's not just a tool. Like he's like, you, you have this now awesome power of people and creativity being able to do things that they've never been able to do before yeah. to audiences and have relationships beyond any, you know, impact that they've ever been able to have before. He's like, but it's also comes with a, it could also come with a great price too, that cause anything goes and that we haven't really fully seen what it's going to do both good and bad. You know, because of that that wide reach and capability, and is well, it, I, I, we have now. I think. Oh we've yeah, seen yeah. It. yeah, easily, yeah. easily, and it's just getting started. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Uh, I mean, look. Um, let me put it to you in these terms. I, I like everyone else. I had uh, when social media rolled along. I started my own pages, right. and now as a, a business operator with multiple locations, um, that relies heavily on the use of social media right. and technology for advertising. I mean, yes. we don't do traditional advertising. We do very little radio, uh, if any, never do print. Um, because why would we when I can target someone who's a specific fan yes. of comic A, B, or C yes. within a five-mile radius of any of my businesses? I mean, there is n literally no point now to put out a blanketed ad in a magazine yes where five eyes might see it that actually come back and you get an ROI on compared to pinpointing the actual audience you want to advertise to with the hopes of a much better ROI. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about this because like this is stuff that I, entertainment industry in general has some of the greatest ROI on Instagram and Facebook ads and YouTube ads if they know how to use them, of course. Without question. Uh, because, because they specifically can target the people, the the general public, their favorite artists, their favorite musicians, their you know all those, and be like, hey, your favorite person in Dallas tonight. Just letting you know, he's here, she's here. Like it's never been easier. So the entertainment industry, the ROI is through the I'll, roof. I'll I'll give you some numbers. Yeah. I mean, we opened in Vancouver, like uh, just I said, January first. It's a brand new room. Only yeah, we're only two months into this room. But we came up with some pretty big acts right out of the gate, uh, some big social media presence acts too, purposely nice. so that they would talk. Uh, Trevor Wallace being one of those yeah. young men who's just, I mean, millions and millions of followers. Uh, but we're doing um, on our social media uh, advertising, uh, we're able to, tra you know, with pixels, we're able to of track course. it. And, Everything. And Google it, like to this penny. Right. Uh, we're doing a 22x return Holy, on, our, yeah. on our social media yes. efforts. Every dollar we're spending online, we're getting twenty two back in that market yeah. right now. And I'm not saying that to show off. I'm just saying no, no, no. The, the that numbers to are real. That I couldn't do that on print. I could never do that in right. radio. Even if doing a five, even in the old days of radio, where they would say, "Well, you're going to need at least a twenty to twenty five times frequency in the course of five days. So that's four to five spots a day in the rotation." I mean, it's still a stab in the dark. Who's listening at what time, right? I heard from a couple of uh, Facebook guys um, that were helping out a campaign. Uh, and a gal who never really, she wasn't a, an advertiser marketer, but she recognized the importance of using, you know, Facebook. Um, they had a big event. I think it was like Snoop Dogg was going to be at it or something like that. And, you know, so a couple of big names. Um, they spent $7,000 on their Facebook ads. And she's like, hey, I'm not really sure, like, you know, if I know what I'm doing. Because like, they called her and were like following up with her like, hey, how's everything going? You know, maybe we can optimize this. She made two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in return off seven thousand. Seven thousand, pretty damn good. I mean, talk about a return, <laughs> you know. And and but and, and she's like a forty-time like, return. And she was like, "Did I did I do that right? Like, am I doing this right?" And it, because, yeah, you're but, doing it right. But but where the the fortunate part of it is because she she put the pieces together of like, okay, this artist 
the the city where it's taking place, the event is taking place, and these people in that city, et cetera. Like, you know, just made it so there was a couple of variables that were already very, very definitive, and you have a person with a very big presence. But yeah, those returns exist, and you can track it beforehand. And now, and that's made, like, you know, the Madison Avenues of the world and the agencies that don't, you know, know shit about tracking of the world, like, something like they can't sell these things anymore. They still do. And I'm always surprised when companies buy into that. I'm like, you can track everything. If you don't, who's selling list in this day and age, that's what I don't get. (laughs) You know, as well as I do. I mean, the biggest trend that we're going to see in the computer world in the next few years, the biggest industry that's going to come out of this is going to be the data mining industry. Yes, sir. This is now all about tracking people down to their zip codes. And we're soon going to be able to essentially computer knock on their front door and say, come out to play. Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> From a business yeah. st- From standpoint, a business point, yeah. no question. Yeah. But then, like I was r- alluding to earlier, at the same time, I have stopped doing any personal stuff. I can't remember the last time I posted yeah. anything to my own Facebook page or to my own Twitter feed or to my own IG. Because um, as you were saying, I want to be better at controlling my time too. Right, right. I still want to find time. If I want to go play a round of golf this week, I want to be able to just get up and go do that. At yeah. the end of the day, that is the perk about being the boss is that I should be able to make my own time. But again, as we've alluded to, unfortunately, when you're the boss as well, you have a tendency to put in those 18, 19 hour yes. days. You know, I, I I try to do my best with the the personal brand of it all more so from showing like hey let me welcome you into the things that i'm very proud of and share them with you mentality um but also make sure i'm constantly providing value but without the pressure of like i must post every day on that personal account if anything i just do stories of like idea ideologies and you know ways of you know personal growth and just thinking about the bigger picture of things and it's funny because i actually grow without even posting <laughs> because it's like really yeah just well you know there's a little well, but you also have there, the, you but know. you have the podcast so i mean you have active listeners so people are yeah. gonna suss you out and find you anyhow. yeah yeah well you know and you do a good job off the top of the show of making sure they know the handle they know a- where to find you you gotta absolutely. do that i mean you got you have to be a self-marketer. You have to be a shameless self-promoter. And in this day and age, that is what you have to do. You know, um, I I used to struggle with the shameless self-promoting um, because I, I, you know what it was is because I would see very confident people who didn't have shit, that, but they were promoting themselves. Right. And I was like, wow. And then I'd see people who were the real deal. And they wouldn't promote but themselves. And I'm like, the confidence. that lack that, well, it, because they didn't, it, and it was interesting because I never started to realize because I started falling into that category of like, oh, I get it. Cause you don't want to sound, you, you worry if you sound like that guy, but you actually, or girl, but you actually have that. But you have, you, you actually have the, have the talent, the goods to back it up. So if we could just start shifting that group of people. And I think now with the, the transparency of the digital age, you're finding out, yeah, I mean, you can be this shameless self-promoter, but one way or another, you're going to yeah. get sussed out the wrong way if you're not careful. Right. There's a way to And th- now you're seeing people being more like, okay, let me let me include people into what I'm doing and just talk real um and that authenticity there's a the big roof. difference between confidence and cocky. Yeah. There's very, a big difference very. between a narcissist and someone who is that very confident individual. Right. Um and I you have to we are living in a generation where there are a billion podcasts now. There's a yeah. millions of everything. There's 10 different types of food delivery services. How does one of them win your favor? Right. You have got to be the guy that is in their face, that you're, right. you know, it's it's a constant reminder. I mean, look, people know we're doing comedy six nights a week in all of our venues. Conceivably, we shouldn't have to advertise as long as they know we're doing comedy six nights, six nights a week. 
But the old adage holds true. Out of sight, out of mind, my friend. Well, and in this day and age where there's so much in front of... I mean, think back. You've grown up with the internet just like me. I look back at my data from just a few years ago, five and six years ago, before all the right. algorithm changes in social right. media, where one of my Twitter... Uh, we'd put out something on Twitter, and it would have thousands of likes. Right, right. Now, we'll put something out on Twitter, and it will get eight likes right. because there's so much out, and and I don't think it's that people aren't seeing it I know that because we can't we see the impressions right. we know how many impressions there are but it isn't getting the interactions and I just firmly believe it's because there's so much being put in front of people nowadays that they just they're not even spending the time to press like anymore they're seeing it they're recognizing it and they might still attend and they might still show up or they might still purchase depending on what your business is uh, but yeah it's it is a it, it's an evolving time right now. It's you know I've had to play the long game mentality in that. Um, so my my whole all my audience pre algorithm change and post um, all organic, no no bots, no nothing. Yep. So I've had to play that the six seven year run right now of interacting, microblogging, five six thousand posts. So you build point. up organically. So I had to build up organically. Yep. And, and in the part that, and so it's funny. And you have to now because these social media sites are getting savvy. They know if it's BS, if oh, you're yeah. buying likes yeah. or if you're buying uh, anything. Yeah. I mean, if it's not organic, you are sussed out and it hurts right. you. Well, it's funny because the paid world looks at me and goes, oh, like, so you never use paid? I'm like, oh, no, I use paid for a lot of different marketing efforts that we have to. And then, 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 then the organic sides is like, or they'll say like, Oh, so we never have to use paid. I'm like, no, listen, you need both depending yeah. on what it is you're trying to do. But in, yeah, in this world, like I though looked at it as I'm building distribution. And I think that that sometimes people miss that fact that like, if you look at some of the biggest magnets in the world, what do they own? Media. Why? Because they have audience attention. And what do you do with audience? I actually had a CEO once ask me, he's like, oh, I don't get it. What would I do with a, a million followers? You know, and like they had a sizable following already. It was a you know pretty decent brand. Right. And I was like, let me ask you something. I was like, just out of curiosity, just out of curiosity, if you had a million followers, what would you do with them? He's like, I don't know. I guess I would ask for feedback. I'm like, market research. Excellent. What else would you do? And he's like, well, I guess maybe, you know, I would, I don't know, launch a, a product or, you know, promote a, a new product that's coming out. I'm like, excellent PR. What else would you do? And he's like, well, I'd probably, you're sure this guy yeah, was the CEO and not the janitor yeah, for the right, building? Right? I mean, you know, well, it's because it was so elusive to them about you know this digital world and yeah. um, control. Because wow, all these people. I was like, I started to learn it was an internal thing going on with most CEOs. It had nothing to do because in the olden days you can kind of you know lead a good company, but you're you're behind the doors, you're behind the closed doors and behind the office building walls and all that stuff. We're living in a digital transparent world. And, you know, there was sometimes the worry of like, well, there's just this is a lot of people following us publicly. And if we post the wrong thing and we say the wrong thing, I mean, literally I've had people be like, you know, that whole authenticity thing, like, I don't get it. Like, well, how do I, how do I communicate that? I'm like, your real authentic self? How do you communicate that? They're like, yeah, I'm like, just be honest. And why do you love what you do? And all it was a very hard transition for a lot of the older business mentality to transition, you're, you're just naturally doing it. It's also built into but, your but uh, I DNA. But I shouldn't be. I mean, I, yeah, it's more built in because, I mean, ironically, uh, you know, here I am. I'm, 
I might be the, you know, the, the boss, I might be the president, but I am still the IT guy for all of my location. You well, know? you've always dove into the details, too. I have. And, you know. uh, and, I th- and as you know, I mean, again, boy, I'm throwing out a lot of old adages today. I'm sounding so hacky, but the devil's in the details. It, it really is. Um, you know how many people on this podcast have said the devil's in the details? It's true. It is. It is everything. The detail is everything. Everything. I walk into my club. I mean, it's, uh, I was about to do something visual. How stupid am I on a podcast? <laughs> That's okay. You want, me, you want me to put I'll, it on a live I'll, right now? I'll show you on my phone. <laughs> after though um i mean you'll see in my notepad i right. keep track like i'll walk into a club and i'll have one of, one of my venues and i'll just have a list of notes of things that i see that are wrong that need to be immediately dealt with because i refuse when you let one thing get out of place one yeah you're like me same thing one chip piece of paint <laughs> leads to two chip pieces of paint one broken right. picture not getting one burnt out light right. bulb leads to two burnt I am really uh, kind of anal when it comes to that kind of attention to detail. I just, the same way I had a great snowball effect on the way up, yeah. you could have a snowball effect on the yes. way down. And if you let your business start to just, you know, start to look like crap, your customers f- pick up on that. And at the end of the day, uh, again, the devil is in the detail. It really I, is. I heard uh, the adage, uh, you work very hard to get it, twice as hard to maintain it. To keep it, Yeah. <laughs> You know, and and boy, is that true? Yeah. And because you, and ironically, I in getting to new levels, I slowed down the pace at which, um, meaning I wasn't just go 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 busy. It became much more intentional about let me make very specific, intentional decisions in in what I'm doing with my time and how I'm I'm you know understanding things so I can do more in less. Because sometimes we just, you know, look, my 25-year-old self and my 40-self are two very different people. I can't just, you know, come out of the ring, you know, punching, throwing punches. You're going to get tired. You have to learn a new approach. Yep. So I actually had to learn a lot, a lot along the way of, you know, adjusting the approach. I think the thing that most people evolve over that time is if they're lucky, they learn the difference between working hard and working yes. smart. yes. That was and, everything. And that's really the transition. And I think, again, that's that everything. comes with maturity. That comes with aging. That comes with being in business for several years. That comes from learning from multiple mistakes. And it comes from learning from multiple successes as well. But at the end of the day, um, if when you finally make that transition of working intelligently instead of working you know, to the bone, Amen. Um, I think that's when you start to see the uh, the rewards come through. You know, you also start to see a lot of things differently, which I think is great. When you start thinking intelligently about the processes better, you, you start to actually start solving a lot of things for yourself as well, too. In the, in, in and that, you know. and you, I think you also force yeah. you into finding long-term solutions yes. sometimes instead yes. of just a quick fix, instead of just right. the Band-Aid, instead of just the patch job. How can I streamline this? Like you were talking about earlier, how can I make it easier for company A to be able to figure out their flow of customers or anything, whatever it may be? What can we do to streamline the process to go from A to B to make sure that the flow is just that it flows? Well stated. So I'm going to I'm going to turn a little bit um, from either when you, you know, as only the entertainer or in one of your clubs. What have been some of your favorite, uh, you know, other comedians that you you've interacted with? I know we were talking a little bit about that before the show, but I mean, just some that you've, you know, you you just admire or have also sure. shared some great war stories with, et cetera. I've been very lucky. I've shared a lot of war stories <laughs> with a lot of different guys, but um, uh, it's funny you you set this up by asking me to whether I've met them as an owner or met them as a fellow comic or in the yeah. entertainment world. And um, I will say this much. Uh, one thing about being a business owner in the hospitality world, 
um, I often find myself thinking, boy, it'd be great to be a stand-up comic again and just have to work one hour <laughs> right, today. Because right. I used to say, as a comedian, I have 23 hours to get to my next job, and sometimes I'm late. They got to yeah. wait for me anyway. <laughs> vastly <laughs> just, different, Just the obnoxious right? entertainer uh, right. position, right? That's a, um, vastly different. I have been really lucky, you know, in my time. So believe it or not, again, I'll tell you a great story talking about the snowball effect. Uh, these aren't famous comedians, but this was all because I got my Crohn's disease. I got the Crohn's disease, and I ended up doing a TV special, and um, I did one joke about having Crohn's disease, just one. And somehow it opened up a flood of people that reached out to me, fans, and yeah. know, just on the back in the genesis of the internet. You know, mm -hmm. this is early 2000s. Um, and, um, and that somehow turned into... I ended up the MC on a speaking bureau circuit just because uh, uh, it was really a role for any comedian to host the event because it was all these day-long speaking seminars. But because my comedy now had a bit of a twist to it or it had a backstory or this about my health and surviving illness, and, and you no, know, I was near death. Like, I've had yeah. some uh, hardships. Uh, so I had a bit of a message behind the comedy, but I didn't really think so. It was just my damn show. Right. Uh, but it got me onto this speaking bureau circuit where I was touring the country doing shows with the likes of, on different events, uh, Deepak Chopra, huh. Dr. Phil, right. President Clinton, Michael Eisner from Disney. I was the opening act for all these guys and introducing them all, all like throughout the day uh, as speakers. I was the light entertainment to keep everything right. going. Uh, but all because of getting sick and getting hospitalized and then starting to write jokes about being in the hospital and living with the disease, did some producer see me that put me on this speaking show that got me to meet some of the most prolific, you know, I know you asked about comedians, but I got to spend People. time with some of the most brilliant business minds of our generation. Yeah. You know, Eisner, I, I think, is oh, one of the most. Kidding just, me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I got to tell you, whether you're, I'm not, I'm very apolitical. I'm a Canadian, so I don't have a horse in the race. But I got to tell you, I was floored spending time with President Clinton. Yeah. And just to be around the presence of uh, someone like that was Pretty overwhelmed. I mean, I've grown up with celebrities, so I'm very, right. I'm not often very wowed or amazed because at the end of the day, most they're humans, they're human beings. They put their pants on the exact same way you and I do. Uh, but yeah, I've been very fortunate over the years. I've worked with some really big celebrities. I've worked, I, I opened for the Smothers Brothers. I spent wow. some time, uh, I worked open for Phyllis Diller. Well, this is like going oh, yeah, way back. I mean, these are these are some like Hollywood icons. classic Hollywood yeah, you know. uh, comedy names. Um, but um, in modern times, like we talked about before the show, I've been very lucky to spend some time with Dave Chappelle uh, through my common friend right. uh, Donnell Rawlings, who played Ashley Larry on the show. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of young comics come up before they even broke stardom, like a guy like T.J. Miller, who's in all the Deadpool movies, and yeah. uh, she's out of my league. Um, yeah, it's it's you know it's really hard to pick one particular story or one particular event. Eh, you don't have to. I one. will say <laughs> this much that I spending some time with Charlie Murphy. I I do have a strong uh, memory of setting off the smoke detectors in one of our nightclubs <laughs> <laughs> due to some extracurricular activities after a show. Uh, but yeah, it, it's again, it's been uh, it, it's been. An, just all all these things, uh, all these different events, these life moments, and yeah. these little uh, uh, 
opportunities that I've had, whether it be to work with the likes of a Michael Eisner or a Dr. Phil or Lance Armstrong was one of the other guys we worked with, or work with some of these really famous comedians and just getting the time to sit and talk to each of them and spending, uh, finding, like, it was fascinating to sit and talk to the Smothers Brothers because they were from the 60s, as was Phyllis Diller. But then I got to work with the likes of uh, Richard Lewis, who came up through the 70s. Yeah. And then I've worked with comics from every generation. And then as I got older, I became the old guy. And, you know, one of my opening acts, I don't know how huge a comedy fan you are, but one of the guys that opened for me for years was a comedian by the name of Mitch Hedberg. Why does that sound familiar? Mitch was a huge star. He died of a drug overdose. He ended up becoming a massive comedy star. I'm sure, I'm sure as soon as you Google him yeah, I will. and listen to him, you'll know who he is. But this is a guy that used to be my, my opening act. you know. So when you're in any business for so long, sometimes you're going to get lapped. And I've had, my, I've had my ass lapped a few times. <laughs> yes, I do remember him. And you're looking at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's great. One of the best. Wow. One of the best. So, I mean, it is, I've probably met hundreds, if not thousands of people that would be deemed famous over our life, over my lifetime. And, uh, uh, I just love the opportunity to, to do exactly what we're doing right yeah. now. If I can say, I once created it, put it this way. I created a TV show once that was simply called people I'd like to have a beer with. Oh, and it was the whole idea was we'd film in a different bar every week. Cause I think bars are yeah. sexy as backgrounds with bottles and light and never shot it. But the whole concept was just to sit down and like we're doing right now, talk to someone who I think is interesting, fascinating. And that's what I looked at these opportunities at. Every time I had an opportunity to meet someone deemed famous or deemed celebrity, uh, it was just that great chance to, you know, see the world from their perspective and sometimes you you'd get one little nugget one little gold oh, nugget yeah. from one of these guys and that's enough like the uh smothers brothers taught me after i did one show with them and i killed i had a great set and they come up to me after and they're kind of looking at me frowny they're like you know you you were looking at the audience the whole time doing your show at the front at the auditorium I go, aren't you supposed to look at your audience yeah. i'm all confused they go, yeah, but you know, there's three balconies in this theater. Not uh, once did you look up. And I'm like, but they can't, I can't see them when I look up. I'm staring into the lights. And they're like, they don't they know, know that. that. Yeah. They look like you're trying to engage with them. So yeah. I learned one of the best rules I ever learned from this Mother's Brothers. Don't just perform to what's in front of you. Perform to what's all around you and make sure you make that eye contact. That's amazing. You know, I, I love those interactions in general. And then just a... Uh, it's like I always say that this is uh, like two people having coffee that the rest of the world can hear. <laughs> it's like what we're doing. We're having 100%, a beer. Yeah. But yeah, no. Absolutely. And that's what a good podcast should be, though, really. I yeah. mean, it should come up, should be organically. It should flow. I mean, you and I have both heard plenty of podcasts with a lot of dead air. Let's oh, be yeah. Well, I, I love when uh, I love when the PR firms reach out. And most of the time, by the way, um, with the exception of a few relationships with a few PR people, I actually don't take the, the PR reach out. I actually do a lot of the reach you out. By because yourself. I, but, well, because I'm, I'm looking for this and I'm looking for like what we're, how we're engaging in all, these people that are, you know, may not have been thought of, which is ironic to me that some of them have not been, especially of like a CEO of, like or the chief branding officer of, of Audemars Piguet, like who's just amazing. She's an amazing human being, amazing soul, done some amazing things. Or like they had never been on a podcast. So I'm like, oh, I think you should come on a podcast. Boom. You know, stuff like that. So but um, but I would say it's it's basically two people. Yes. Having a conversation. 
That's that, the key word. That the rest- I think the big difference is when you're doing podcasts that it comes across as conversation and less interviewee. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's what you, this, you, well, you do very well. And I love when PR firms ask. They go, well, you know, so why don't you go ahead and uh, send us over the, the questions ahead of time? I'm like, I hate that. No, I'll tell you. And Surprise I, and I'll t- me. Right. And I'll tell, I, I always say, I'm like, I'll tell you how the conversation goes afterwards. And there's never really been any pushback. Once or twice, they're like, wait, what? I'm like, excuse me. First of all, I'm not going to ask them the same things that everybody else has been asking them. Second of all, I'm going to be present and respectful and we're going to have a conversation because they deserve that like attention. And quite frankly, more often than not, they need something different than the way they've been talking to like E! Online or, or E! News Channel or the yeah. CNN or, or whatever. They want to just have a conversation and a safe space where they can say whatever they want to say. Yep, exactly. You know I mean? And if conversations go well, like we were saying, it doesn't ha- – you don't have to pepper this type of situation no. with a million questions. No. Because the conversation should just bring up – you know, just the way – I mean, I'll tell you, just sitting here talking to you, you're rehashing memories in me, like just bringing back the story <laughs> of uh, talking about working with the Smothers Brothers or working with Dr. Phil – who uh, I'll just say this way was not my th- this was not my favorite person to work with live, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but in in any event, I love those life experiences. I mean, who else can get to say they got to introduce Doctor Phil and he waited forty minutes to come out onto the stage? <laughs> well, you know, and but that's that's the beauty of all this too is that like you know all these experiences and then all these things that you learn from each situation, whether they didn't show up <laughs> right away, have made me or, who I am today. You know exactly. You know, so it's 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 incredible. What um what are some things that you have coming up? Uh, so the, our big development right now is we've got two new comedy clubs going up, one in Texas and one in Michigan. So that is taking up quite a bit of time. Uh, right now, I'm really loving our speakeasy uh, concept that we have here on the North Valley in, in uh, Phoenix. And I think if I play my card right on this one, I might be able to see a few of these open up uh, in a few different locations. How many total locations do you have? So we have five comedy locations, but we have seven different uh, hospitality events wow. in five different cities. Wow. Yeah, our venues. Rather. How many total business? How many total things do you have going on at, at this so point? So aside from just the hospitality industry, I mean, we didn't even touch on this, but we also have a management business. We take care and we we represent other acts that are performing in this great country of ours or on TV. Aside from having a management industry, we also have an agency where we and a production company. I still produce TV shows. Lab. I, I know we're shooting, recording this here in, in Scottsdale, but just a year ago to date, we shot a, we did the Shane Doan uh, roast. We did the reti- uh, the retirement of Shane Doan, who was the captain of the Phoenix Coyotes, Arizona Coyotes, and we produced a big roast where we flew in a lot of celebrity comics and a lot of uh, ex-hockey players that played with Shane, and cool. it was a great event, really good event. Uh, so, Again, I think the easier question is to ask me, what what aren't we currently doing right. at any given time? Because uh, that's what I think has always worked well for me. At the end of the day, I feel that I'm in the entertainment industry. I'm in entertainment. And what I like about that is I can shift gears at any point. And that worked well for this ADHD brain is really, I'm sure, what I would have been diagnosed as had the diagnosis All exist entrepreneurs. Back. <laughs> and and, and I, again, it goes back to I love being able to juggle 10, 12 yeah. projects at once and not one, not two. 
Uh, I think most people would probably drive them bat crazy, but for me, it's uh, it's the only way to live. I don't know another way. Well, and you've also got good people around you, which is, which is everything. People. That's everything, you know. Right, and most importantly for my wife, my right yeah. hand, who is as active in our business as we are, and we pride ourselves on the fact that we're a substantially sized company now. We employ quite a few people, but at the end of the day, we've remained our mom and pop company. That's we haven't amazing. we haven't taken anyone on. We don't take on partners. We try not to take on investors. We try to do this all by ourselves. I mean, full creative control. Spoken like the artist side of you for you know some of the people I admire the most uh, that I've that I've watched. You know the and my audience knows this because I've referenced it several times. But the Jay Zs of the world, I, I've literally loved what most people saw just a hip hop artist. I'm like, <laughs> you guys have no idea. Just wait. How in tune this dude is, like yeah. with like the pieces and the patience and the the structure of the deals and not selling out and keeping his masters and his publishing and I just I think that. If you can play the long game, which I, I highly encourage anybody, play the long game, own your creative control, but you know, remove the ego so you can collaborate and have people help you along the way. That'll come with it too, though. Unfortunately, yeah. I went through that in my 30s when I thought I was king shit. I was killing it. We were doing great. And the ego came and uh, my wife put me in check real quick. Good thing you had you had her right there to put you in check. I, I have a tough-ass wife. I, I was smart. Good. I married a strong good. woman who uh, keeps me in line. A good, strong partner is everything yeah, right there. Without question. That's amazing. Where can everybody find out about you or, or any of the brands online? Where's the best way to if find If anyone it truly wants to follow my social media that I don't really do much, but the bet is I'm at, I'm at the Rick Bronson on pretty much all social media platforms. Uh, but I highly encourage you to go to our house of comedy.net, which will lead you to any of our uh, brands and venues. Perfect. And uh, yeah, please. If you're, if you're within earshot, come visit us in one of our markets and come see comedy. I will say this, even though it's a business focused kind of t conversation, Laughter, I promise you, truly is the best medicine. And at the end of the day, no matter what avenue we go down, whether it is a comedy club or whether it's a speakeasy that's got a 1920 Hollywood theme, uh, we are still trying to elicit a good response from our guests. We yes. want people to laugh. We want to see smiles. We want people to be genuinely happy. And in this day and age, we are falling upon an age where there are less and less places for people to congregate. People are choosing to stay home in their basements, on their video games, through their headsets, conversing with their friends. And I truly believe we need these places today. We need these places for humanity oh, yeah. to congregate. Strangers should not be afraid to rub shoulders or elbows with another stranger. A shared laugh is a beautiful thing. Oh, well stated. And by the way, Yes, on this one, we focus a little bit uh, more on the, the business and the, the come up, if you will, and the navigating the journey. But anytime you want to talk on the, the laughter side or Happy the spiritual, the, spiritual uh, 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 the, the personal growth, I mean, all uh, of I mean, it's, you know, it's all intertwined. You'd what I should with... bring for you is one of my really messed up comics to come talk to. And then you talk to the, the mind of a madman. That's what uh, that's always entertaining. Give me a list ahead of time and I'll, <laughs> I'll Google and I'll Google and then I'll be like mm, that one. Fair enough, fair enough. That's been great, man. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Absolutely. Well, uh, you'll have to come out to uh, the club here on when you get a chance. Come out for some laughs. Bring your group down. Absolutely. And Happy to have uh, you Also, out. it's a journey-driven podcast, so I want you to come back on. Happy um, to. I always welcome my guests back on. Um, Let's do it tomorrow. I'll tell you how much better I'm doing. 
<laughs> well, I, the irony in that though is that is that how much you know in this world that we live in, how much do things change daily or like hourly or even by the minute? Is what I said on the last podcast. A lot, a lot right? Like what who I am yesterday is eons ago compared to today because of how much you go through in a day or how much you develop with everything you got going on. You know, I'll tell you, you alluded to show business earlier, especially when you work in the show business. You talked about Jay Z. When you work in an industry where a guy's going to cancel on you a day beforehand because he just got a movie role or he got a TV show, and this happens multiple times in multiple markets you learn to you learn to roll with the go roll oh, with yeah. the punches you know you really do i say entrepreneurship is the uh fastest way to personal growth and development it, you know then you could get it's a gateway drug because you you have to adapt and learn so much about yourself and be like i'm not gonna freak out I'm going to breathe, you know, <laughs> and then we're just going to move right through it. We're going to move right through it. And I know. think if you, once you, if you realize that you're that type of person that you can, you know, work for yourself or you can get yeah. by on your own, it's a probably, I've never had to do it, but I can only assume it's probably a very difficult transition to have to go back to or go into a world where you're no longer the guy that gets to be the decision maker right. and call the shots. Right. So, yeah, I, again, I applaud the guys that can that can drive to, in their cars every day through traffic to that same cubicle, but I will never understand it. Yeah. Well, and that's okay. Cause I'm sure, well, our, our my audience is very creative and, it, and if they are, you know, currently stuck in the cubicle, they're probably also trying they're to break looking out for a way to they're break out. Looking to break. Cubicle. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, I want this always to be always like a resource of like, Hey, look, if you're comfortable with it, great. But I'm and I'm sure some of them look at us as crazy as well. They're like I could Without never question. do your instability. Who right? who who would want a a job where they don't know where what they make next year can be less than what they make this right. year, where there's no guaranteement uh, guarantee of upward right. mobility. But then again, in this day and age, what guarantee is there of upward mobility within a corporate structure either? I mean, retail, which used to be king, right. is closing in every yep. center in the world. I mean, when you have Macy's closing down when you have department stores that were the cornerstones of our retail industry shutting their doors. You know, one of the the top, uh, for me, I, beforehand I used to take it, and now I don't take it as an insult anymore, but one of the top things that really used to piss me off or was an insult was um, my uh, question of stability, right? Because as a you know growing man, you're asked about you know your stability, your stability. And I was very fortunate to have the parents that I have uh, um, where, uh, you know, my mom, not an entrepreneur, but helped my father's companies always. And like, they work together Yeah, similar to what you and your wife do. Right. And uh, I used to get so pissed if I would hear that, whether in dating or friends or whatever, stability, stability, you yep. know, be stability. And I would love it when my parents, especially my mom would say like, what is stability? I'm like, I think it's your character. And she's like, correct. She said, because if a job Good gets point. lost tomorrow by those people, she's like, they won't know what the fuck to do. You know, pardon my friend. She yeah, didn't say fuck, but like, if you're not but offending like, me. You know, but like, but she, you know, she would say like they don't know what to do. She's like, the thing is, is they're a part of a system that's been telling them what to do. You've had to learn how to show up in See, every you, way. You had you much know? better parents than I did then, you know? because I had the type of parents that when I told them I was dropping out of college to pursue entertainment full time, it broke their heart. Because as far as my parents, when you grew up where I grew up and you grew up under Jewish parents, there's basically three jobs for a good Jewish boy. A lawyer, doctor, a doctor, lawyer, or major disappointment. <laughs> That's it. Those are the three. Um, so to the, uh, it's funny. I still tease my parents to this day. 
But, uh, you know, at first they were not pleased with me leaving school to pursue comedy. Now they but are. I remember the day that I introduced my parents, uh, they got to uh, uh, meet President Clinton. That uh, made them, uh, well, maybe this is okay. You're, you're like, and who are you? And you're now, like, don't worry about that. And now whenever they come to Scottsdale and stay in my guest house, they seem to have no complaints right, whatsoever. Right. <laughs> Look, I tell people, if you can wait long enough and you're patient enough and you believe in what you're doing, it's not if, it's when. It's when. And if I you agree can, with that. And if you can wait until the when, it is very, very sweet. <laughs> it really is. That's really well you know. put. That's really well put. I agree. Thank you so much for being on the My show. My pleasure, really man. It was a lot of fun. Enjoyed chatting with you. Absolutely. And for everybody listening, Rick Bronson, be sure to check him out. So House of Comedy on all social, right? That's yeah. Where they can find uh, it. So houseofcomedy.net is the web address. Uh, each of our locations has their own different social tag, obviously. So I just recommend houseofcomedy.net. And uh, yeah, uh, please, uh, even if you're not in a city with one of my clubs in it, uh, support your local comedy club. Uh, those types of places, again, to congregate are going to be key as we keep moving forward into our future. Absolutely. And support your own mental wellness. <laughs> get, to these, get to these comedy clubs. I mean, I, you know, if I'm Netflixing or I go to a comedy club for me, like I, I actually watch almost every uh, stand up comedy special on Netflix. They're really good, man. They are. But I will say this yeah. much, my friend. Uh, there is no, di- there is no comparison between oh, seeing someone live no. And watching it through that third oh, wall yeah. of the window, yeah, you know, it's a, it's all the difference. Li- live is is the most amazing experience, in my opinion, for me. Um, but yeah, I so I agree Has with you be. on that. Absolutely, we'll set it up for you. Awesome. We'll bring you Sounds down to good. see a show. Everybody, be sure to check out House, House of Comedy. Uh, as Rick said, HouseofComedy.net, so you can find out what location, um, what city, and then of course, as we would both agree mental wellness get to a comedy club support a local comedy club support a, a comedian and it's also for your own good we're telling Absolutely. you it's for your it own really good is. the old adage yeah. again laughter is the best medicine is true it is it it, it, it really has been proven to speed up uh recovery it releases yes. white cells uh, endorphins uh there there is no downside to smiling right and those you know the some of my favorite are the, the laughs that you can't stop like where it's almost like beyond where high school laughs yeah man, those high school laughs it's when, exactly the, it. the type exactly. of guy you kicked out of class yeah, those were the best like, you just literally can't stop and you're like oh this feels so good this feels so good <laughs> I had one of those once at the most inopportune times though that's at usually a now funeral. when they happen yeah oh, the worst is when they <laughs> the happen worst. now yeah but uh, still one of those great laughs awesome. that you never forget Thank you. Thank you, Rick, for being on the show. For Rick Bronson, for myself, Matt Gossman, the hustle sold separately. We are out.